You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. We continue our examination of the Battle of Badr. And in our previous class, we examined the logistics of the battle, how the combat started. And now we will examine the aftermath of the Battle of Badr, which was the most important battle that those early Muslims faced as they were supporting the message of Islam. And it was a very decisive victory for the Muslims. Many Muslim historians believe that the battle ended around noontime. So it's called, you know, the noontide zawal. That's like your dhuhr time where you do the dhuhr prayers. So it started in the morning. First you had the one-on-one combat and then you had the general strike from both sides. At around noontime, the battle was over. Many of the Quraysh, they fled the battlefield when they saw that they suffered a very big defeat and a number of them were captured as captives of war. Now when the battle ended and the dust settled, the Prophet he addressed the bodies of the pagans, those dead from the pagans who were on the ground. The Prophet approached their bodies and he spoke to them. 70 of them had been killed. Yes, we'll talk about the casualties. 70 bodies were now lying at bed from the pagans and we'll examine the number from the Muslims. The Prophet walked up to the bodies of the pagans and he said, Jazakumullahu min asabatin sharra. May God grant you evil, O you evil group, for what you did. You were the worst of tribes for your Prophet. When people believed in me and supported me, you rejected me and you betrayed me. In other words, the Prophet was telling the Quraysh, I was from you. I came from you. I came from your family, from your tribe. Why did you do this to me? And you exiled me from my home when others embraced me and they gave me a place of refuge. Then the Prophet specifically looked at the body of Abu Jahl and he said, This Abu Jahl is worse than Fir'aun. Why? Because Fir'aun in those final moments when he was drowning, what did he say? He said, I believe. Now that I've seen the sign and death is hovering above me and I see the angel of death, I meant, I believe. Now it was too late for him, but at least he seemed to admit the truth in those final moments. Whereas Abu Jahl, he saw all the grand signs. He even heard the angels participating in the battle. His last words, you know what? Allat wal Uzza. Those were his last words before he died. I worship the idols of Allat and Uzza. So the Prophet addressed his body and he said, Oh Allah, Abu Jahl is worse in your eyes then Fir'aun, at least Fir'aun, he believed, you know, the last minute before he died. Whereas Abu Jahl, no. He called on to the Lat and Uzza. Now the Prophet ﷺ had those 70 bodies gathered and thrown into a pit. 
Now in Arabic, sometimes they would call those pits wells. Maybe it is the case that some wells would go dry and then they would become a pit. So they had all the bodies of the pagans thrown into that pit. Basically, it was like one big grave for them. Now the Prophet refused to keep any body uncovered. Even though they're pagans and they're the enemies of the Prophet and they spread so much evil and corruption, but Islam still has some sort of respect for the dead bodies, even of the enemies. Now normally what happens is that the enemies would just leave the bodies there for the vultures to come and scavenge them and for them to you know decompose. It's an act of humiliation. Remember the bodies of Karbala, for three days they remained on the ground. They refused to bury them because this was an act of insult that they wanted to do to Imam Hussain and his followers. But the Prophet no, he said put them in that pit. Don't keep them here uncovered, just put them. Let them be covered in that pit. So the Prophet had all of them in that pit or that well. When they were placed in the pit, the Prophet came to that pit, to that well, and he started to speak to them. The Prophet said, Ya Utbah ibn Rabi'ah, O Utbah, O Shaybah, Umayya ibn Khalaf, Abajah, and he mentioned them one by one. هَلْ وَجَدْتُمْ مَا وَعَدَكُمْ رَبُّكُمْ have you now seen what God has promised you, meaning the punishment? You were promised the punishment if you would continue fighting Islam. Have you now met your destiny? Because I have found the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being actualized and realized. God promised us the Muslims victory and here we are, we achieved victory. So we are seeing the promise of God. Are you also seeing the promise of God? By the way, Bukhari narrates this as well. This is not just in our sources. Some Muslims, they came up to the Prophet They told him, you know, Ya Rasulullah, Salaamu Alaikum. Who are you talking to? Bunch of dead bodies? Who are you talking to? Who are you addressing? The Prophet says, I swear by God, don't think that you can hear any better than they can hear. They can hear everything that I'm saying here. And this is proof in our sources that the dead can hear. Because one of the objections to the followers of the Ahlul Bayt, why do you address Imams who died or the Prophet who died and you seek their shafa'a, you seek their intercession when they died and they can't help you. And that's shirk and that's polytheism and so on and so forth. Well, this is a hadith which Bukhari narrates, it's also in our sources, that the Prophet talked to the pagans, the evil ones, and he said they can hear. Their souls can hear us very well. If the souls of the pagans can hear, don't you think the soul of Rasulullah the greatest creation of God, and the representatives of God, the Imams, they can't hear us, and we call on to them, they don't pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help us. So the Prophet made that very clear that they can hear. Don't think that you can hear me any better than they can hear. No, they can hear me but they have not been given permission to respond. They can't talk back but they can hear very well. Now later, it, it has been mentioned that when the Prophet ﷺ ordered the bodies to be thrown in that pit or well, 
When the body of Utbah was being brought to the well, his sons, he saw the body of his father. Remember, Utbah's son was fighting on which side? The Muslim side, he had embraced Islam. So now he saw the body of his father being thrown into that pit. He was moved by that. In the end, he's his father. And some narrations indicate, you know, he kind of sat down and he turned pale. So the Prophet ﷺ probably to protect his dignity because some other Muslims would accuse him, you know what, he's, ha he's sympathizing with the enemies. The Prophet ﷺ told him, has any doubt crossed your mind? Are you doubting, you know, our religion? Why are you looking at him in such a way? He said, no, I don't have any doubts. But I always imagined that my father, you know, seemed to be a wise man. He seemed courageous, he seemed patient. And I thought these are qualities that would eventually save him. But now I see his fate, how he lost his test in this world. And that kind of, you know, just moved me a little bit. I thought those qualities would save him. And I realized that what I was thinking was wrong. I was wrong all this time. These qualities that my father had eventually did not save him. Now this is something very important and I think the Prophet was sending a message. There are people who do have pleasant good qualities, admirable qualities. But remember that having good qualities is not enough to save you. You know why? Sometimes those good qualities are driven by cultural norms. Not because you are really a person of principle. Not because you're really God-fearing. It's because your society considers this quality good. The Arabs, they considered a man who was courageous to be a good quality. If someone was courageous, it was only to please his society and culture, for instance. Not really because of principle. When my qualities are driven by social norms, really, that's it, there is nothing to it beyond that, these qualities may not end up saving me. Just like Utbah, he did have some admirable qualities, but it wasn't for humanity, it wasn't for justice, it wasn't really for God. It was what? To impress his tribe. Because people talk about him, they boast, ah, Utbah has these qualities. And that really is a lesson for us, to inspect our qualities, even the good ones. See, we are encouraged to examine our shortcomings and faults and to try to fix them. But Islam teaches you even examine your good qualities. Why do you have those good qualities? Because you're going with the flow, because you're appeasing your society, because that's how you were just raised? That's not enough. Because Allah will try you one day. Allah will test you one day. If you don't have the qualities for the sake of Allah, you might fail your test. So we find that this interesting incident happened when Utbah was being buried. Now let's talk about the casualties. From the pagans, 70 people were killed. Now that's not a lot compared to the number of pagans. They were about 900 or 1,000. That's less than 10%. But for the Meccans, the Arab Meccans, that was big. Remember, the Meccans, they did display courage, but they were not fond of fighting. They did not like to go to war. So suffering such casualties was a big blow to them. 
it was really a lot. From the Muslims, some sources indicate only 9 were killed and some sources indicate 14. So anywhere between 9 and 14. Look at the work of God. The Muslims were 313. How many casualties did they suffer? 9. The pagans were a thousand and they suffered 70 casualties. So you see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really helped the Muslims here. And in our previous class, we talked about the tactics of war and the logistics and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the angels to defend the Muslims.